0: In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. We're in uh, the church's season of Epiphany. And throughout Epiphany, we are looking at the first chapter of Mark's Gospel. This is what the lectionary uh, has assigned for us. And this makes good sense because uh, the word Epiphany means a sudden revelation sudden insight. And early on in this gospel, Mark is telling stories to build the case, revelation after revelation, that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. So a few weeks ago, we saw the baptism of Jesus, where the heavens open up The Spirit descends upon Jesus. The voice of the Father booms over him so that all could hear, You are my beloved Son, and with you I am well pleased. Last week, we saw Jesus begin to gather a community of disciples who literally dropped what they were doing to follow him, left everything to follow him. Next week, we will look at Jesus as healer and as preacher, Mark is building the case that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God and the Messiah, the Savior of the world. So this week, what we see in our passage in Mark chapter one, in, in at least two ways, is that Jesus is the one with divine authority. Jesus is the one with divine authority. Now I don't know how attractive that sounds to you. It kind of it may de- how attractive that is to you may depend on your relationship with authority. Uh, I, I myself always just tried to kind of steer clear of authority. As a kid, I did not want the school principal to know who I was. She did, sadly, uh, after a few completely unjustified trips to her office, which I'm over. But it was, uh, it was always my working assumption uh, that that interaction with authority was going to mean trouble. In fact, even as a youngish adult in seminary, I got a call one Thursday that I was to visit the office of the dean president the following Tuesday. And I spent the whole weekend fretting, wondering what I had done. Were they going to kick me out of seminary? I'm sure I asked my friends to pray for me. And I could not have been more surprised when he very kindly said to me, I just want to get to know you. And Dr. Peter Moore uh, became a very close friend of mine and a mentor, and in fact, he preached here. You may remember a couple of years ago, last summer, he went to be with the Lord, Uh, but uh, that was, I couldn't have been more surprised. But all that to say, that I still, uh, it still doesn't sound very exciting to me, at least at first blush, to say that Jesus is the one with authority. Uh, It sounds sort of very top-down, like Sergeant Jesus or something, but uh, after a closer look, actually, not only is uh, the divine authority, the, not only is the divine authority of Jesus exciting, but it's inviting. It's inviting. So as the passage begins, we see that Jesus is in the, tenago- uh, in the synagogue teaching. Uh, he's in Capernaum, where he kind of had set up shop initially. Mark does not tell us what He said. It's interesting, isn't it, that Mark is not at all concerned with the content of what Jesus taught, but rather his focus is on the fact that Jesus' audience is astounded. They are gobsmacked. They are blown away by Jesus' teaching. Now, why is that? Because, Mark says, he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So the question then is, what's the difference between Jesus and the scribes? Was Jesus just that much better of a teacher than the scribes? Did he have better illustrations, a more commanding stage presence, uh, maybe more empathy for the audience? Maybe he had those things, but the fundamental difference... Between the scribes and Jesus, was that the scribes taught the scriptures as interpreters of the scriptures. Jesus taught the scriptures as the author. Jesus taught as the author. The scribes were like me, you know, and, and, and all other preachers, really. They weren't bad people, they loved the scriptures. They gave their lives to the study and the teaching of them. It was probably, usually, their earnest desire to give the right interpretation. But there was no comparison. I mean, if Jesus walked in here this morning, you would ask me to sit down, and rightly so. Jesus is speaking about the scriptures in a way they had never experienced before, because the scriptures were written from His heart. They expressed his mind and his will. He spoke with a fullness, a confidence, a convincing insight and authority that they had never heard or experienced before. He taught in a way that shed new light on the character of God and new light on the Word of God. They were having an epiphany moment, weren't they? But little did they know, Jesus was God. Their teacher was God. And so they were astounded when Jesus showed them uh, that, G- that God was not a rule monger, but a concerned and loving father. And he was not an angry dictator with a rod to be feared, but a good shepherd with a crook to be appreciated. And the crowds that soon clambered after Christ, make it evident that the authority with which Jesus taught only made him more attractive and more accessible. A little like Peter Moore, using his authority as the dean to say, I just want to get to know you. Jesus wasn't the school principal to be avoided, but the gracious and loving Savior to be cherished and followed. Now, they may not have yet connected the dots that Jesus was the Son of God, but they had never heard teaching like this. They were gobsmacked, astounded. They were caught off guard by the authority with which he taught the scriptures. And so then, Mark illustrates that divine authority. Jesus has been teaching the scriptures as the expression of his own heart and will. And now, Mark says, here is what that authority looks like actively and spiritually. And Mark says, just then, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. It seems to me that we are actually much more comfortable with the idea of the existence of angels than we are with the existence of demons. The Bible is unblushing in its declaration of the reality of both. The Bible is not here making a case for the existence of demons or evil spirits. It just takes it as a given, right? And this man has one. Now, Before we get embarrassed by that or dismissive about the reality of demons, let me say that even secular thinkers will tell you that modern people have a dangerously simple, naive, and placid view of evil. We often think that if a person just had better upbringing. Or better education or if they just got counseling or the right medication or or just got their act together for crying out loud that their their problem would be fixed and that's naive and frankly it lacks compassion although i am guilty of, of that uh, diagnosis I think. reality the reality is the evil is far more complex and, and and some some of you know people who for whom it looks like evil has a grip right i mean some maybe you've actually been that person i don't i don't know but it looks like evil has is having its way with them like it's doing its own will like it has a personality and let me tell you when you love that person it is heartbreaking I mean, think about the reality of this man's life uh, who walked in the synagogue that day. He's constantly avoided on the streets. He's estranged from his family because of his behavior. He is alone. He is in despair. He's wondering in his quiet moments why he cannot get his own act together. Wondering what it is that has a grip on him. This is the man that walks in the synagogue and starts yelling at Jesus. He's troubled In every sense of the word. Right before Thanksgiving, our family got a puppy. Uh, She's mostly Luke's dog. We named her, or he named her, Cora. She is pretty sweet. I do wonder sometimes if she has a demon, but that's not the point. Um, Whenever she thinks that she's in the least bit of trouble, and I saw this last night, Whenever she thinks she's in the least bit of trouble, she tucks her tail and flips over on her back to show her belly and whimpers, right? She knows she's in trouble, so she's immediately submissive. And that is exactly what this demon does when he sees Jesus, right? The man gets loud, but he's not attacking Jesus. He's rolling over like a guilty puppy. He knows he's in trouble, and he's immediately submissive. What do you have to do with us? Are you going to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. What is ironic, and maybe even comical, is that Jesus is teaching in the synagogue and everyone is astounded by His authority, but the only one who knows who He's really dealing with is the demon from the pit of hell. This demon of darkness who is inhabiting this man in some way, knows that he has no chance against Jesus like a housefly fighting a hurricane. He is standing before the God of all creation, the definition of goodness and holiness, he, the, the one who came to rescue humanity from the very havoc and godlessness that this unclean spirit exists to create. And so this demon is... Defensive, right? But he's not attacking because that would be ridiculous. And the man with the demon is loud, he's disruptive, he's interrupting Jesus' astounding teaching. What would you do if someone like that walked in here this morning? We'd kick him out and tell him to leave. Or at least wait for Father Trent after the service. <laughs> we were talking about this passage in staff meeting this, this past week. I was wondering out loud about how, you know, kind of how to preach about demon possession. and Our youth minister, Hannah Barton, said something wonderful. She said, if this happened in our church or any church, we would see the demon and we would cast out the man but Jesus sees the man and casts out the demon. Isn't that wonderful? We would see the demon and cast out the man, but Jesus sees the man and casts out the demon. And She's right. Mark is telling us that Jesus does not wield his authority to catch us doing something wrong. He wields his authority to save us. Now, fundamentally, this passage is not about you and me. It's about Jesus. In fact, let me take this opportunity to say that the entire Bible is not about us and what we are to do, but it is about God and what God has done. But in that vein, this passage is not first and foremost saying you too can overcome your demons. It's first and foremost saying that Jesus is the one with divine authority. And therefore, we can trust that He is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. We can stake our lives on it, and we should. Yet, such is the character and the nature of Jesus that even in His divine, cosmic authority, that He is not against us, He is for us. He loves us because of his character, not ours. He expresses his authority by giving grace, not shame or accusation. And this is what makes Jesus' authority so inviting. That he does not see the sin and cast us out. He sees us and casts the sin out. And I don't know... Well, you came in here with this morning, if you feel like something has a grip on you. But I know this, that he does not see the sin and cast us out. He sees us and casts the sin out. Well, how does he do that? Well, he took it all upon himself, all of our sin, when he hung on a bloody cross. And he said, it is finished, and he died. He became sin for us, St. Paul said. So he cast himself out so that we might be brought in. That is some kind of authority. So after the Spirit was cast out of the man, Mark tells us that they were all amazed at Jesus and that they kept talking about they kept talking about his authoritative teaching, so good and so strong that even the unclean spirits obeyed. You know what happened? Jesus got famous in their area. Not because Jesus said, now you've seen what I can do, you all need to go tell people, right? Because he doesn't use his authority like that, Remember? He got famous because the people were so astounded, so flabbergasted by Jesus himself, they could not stop talking about it. They knew, they knew that they knew that they knew, they were not being some sort of dull, boring, moralistic advice. I mean, maybe they weren't quite sure what it was all about, but they were convinced and they couldn't stop talking about it. Wouldn't it be awesome if Jesus got famous all around us? If if, if His fame spread in Mandarin and northern St. John's County because we couldn't, we were just so amazed by Him, we couldn't stop talking about Him. We couldn't help ourselves. I think that would be evidence that we might just be scratching the surface of properly understanding Jesus' divine authority. Amen.